happy to do it in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but it has been a little bit of time. It's been a week. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been a month. Anybody relate? Your month might not be the same as my month, but I have a feeling if we surveyed the room, we've had it. Amen. Amen. I appreciate so much the opportunity to speak tonight, and um, I feel like the Lord has a word, and we're just going to dive right in. If you would turn with me to Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. Mark 34, sorry, Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and sea obey him. I'm glad I serve that God who can speak to the wind and to the waves, peace be still, and they obey him. Amen? In this story, we see Jesus who tells them, let's go over to the other side. We're going to get in a boat and travel across the sea and go to the other side. And as we read the story a wind came suddenly upon them. Ever, be in a, ever been in a storm that just suddenly came out of nowhere? I can remember actually when Reagan was just a little girl, we were still pushing her in a stroller. I'm pretty sure she was even uh, an infant not walking yet. And we went to Strawberries on the Square when it was back on the square. And we were downtown walking around Strawberries on the Square pushing our little girl and just out of nowhere, this torrential rain started pouring down and the wind kicked up. So we run under a tent. Uh, one of the you know, vendors that are around the square, we ran under that tent and we kind of just to wage, you know, wait through the storm. And um, that rain was coming down hard. And then worse, the wind picked up and that wind just came on so strong and fast. And it you know, you think it's just going to blow by, and it got more intense and more intense and more intense, and then a, a branch of the tree just above us fell off and came right very close to where we were, and I thought, well, are we going to be in a tornado? Is this going to take off right here, right now? And of course, you're worried so much for the little baby. You're scared that something's going to fall on them or hurt them, and just as quickly as it came, it left, and Thankfully, not too much damage was done. And then 
I don't know if you remember, this has been many years ago now, the DeRay show that came through, and I can remember Ann telling me the story if she was driving down Route 79 and she could see the big dumpsters just moving, scooting along through the parking lots. The wind's blowing them. That wind just kicked up so hard and those things blew. And if you remember, the trees were down and the power was out for uh, at least a week. I think we had the power out that time. And just suddenly, out of nowhere, a storm came through. How many of you know what it's like to have a spiritual storm come through just as quickly? Sideswipe you like you didn't, you didn't see it coming at all. Maybe a coworker says something. Maybe a financial issue comes up, a temptation out of the blue. Maybe a family issue comes up. And I know everyone has been praying for my father-in-law, Brother Reagan. And, you know, he just went in for outpatient surgery, supposed to be released that afternoon. And, and turns out, air got on his brain. And we saw a CT scan. I'll share a little bit with you. I don't think he'll mind. And he can't fight me even if he wants to. His brain was squished down for that air to be in there. That air was pressing his brain down like a sponge. And we saw that CT scan in the neurosurgeon. He was, he was life-flighted to OSU, and, and the neurosurgeon talked to us later and said, when I saw that scan, I could not believe that he was able to respond like he was. He could still grasp when they told him to. He could answer them when they asked him questions, and the neurosurgeon couldn't believe it. And then... That came out of the blue, and 20-something days later, he hasn't been home yet. He's still working through. I mean, the Lord has been with him. The Lord has blessed him, and we have seen the hand of God through this, and we know he's there, and he's moving. Um, and I asked him, actually, when he was uh, early on, a couple weeks ago, I said, I'm going to be speaking soon, and what, what do you think I should speak on? And I don't know if he was in his right mind or not. He just lickety-split, didn't hesitate, didn't take a moment to think. He just said, tell them about all the people in the world in the waters, out there on the seas, being blown about. I don't know if he was lucid or not, but immediately my mind went to this passage. And I got a visual of all of these people out in open water, spiritually speaking, being tossed around by the wind and the waves. And in fact, even as my father-in-law was sitting there going through it, and I don't want to belabor that, but he had a fracture in his skull. He had air on the brain. He was intubated twice. Um, he couldn't sit up because the brain stuff, it wasn't good for him to sit up. And then he couldn't lay back. And that was the lung stuff, the lung issues he's been having. He couldn't lay back. He couldn't sit up. They called it ICU psychosis, told, him, told us they were doing it to him, that he, he couldn't sleep. He couldn't lay back. He couldn't sit up. He couldn't do anything. And um, he ended up with a pulmonary, pulmonary embolism. He had clots in his legs. He was on blood thinners. Then he got a ble brain bleed. They took him off blood thinners. I mean, if anybody's been through it. But the whole time, he hasn't wavered. He's been talking about God. When you ask him questions, he's there. He's now finally at the nursing home in rehab, and he's doing, he's doing much better. But God is in this the whole time. 
You know why? Because when he was talking about, talking about the people on the oceans, I thought, you know what? Jesus is in the boat. We're out on the waters. They're waving. They're coming at us. The waves are coming in. The water might be like in the boat, feels full. The Bible says the, it was now full. But Jesus is in the boat. The Savior is on board. Amen? I just feel like I should mention, too, my Uncle Calvin back here. In the midst of all of that with my father-in-law, then I get a call. My uncle's been attacked by dogs. And you think, oh, attacked by dogs. Okay. No, he was in the hospital for two days. They had really taken a bite out of him. I'm going to move on. I'll start joking too much about the dogs. But God has been good in this situation. God's in the boat. Even though the waters are churning, God is in the boat. Amen. It doesn't matter what storm is going on around you. It doesn't matter what tempest might be raging. Jesus is on board. So what do you do when the world around you starts to shake and you start to feel those waves? And what if you've been battling and battling? If you feel that way, you've been in this water for so long, you've just been rowing and rowing, you've been bailing water, and whew, you start to get pretty fatigued after a while, worn out by this storm. And for whatever reason, you're still on the water. Jesus hadn't taken you out of the boat yet. So you're in there. You're, you're, you're doing your best. You're in it, but you know Jesus is on board. And those disciples, I'm sure they were doing the same thing when that water was coming in. They were trying to bail water, trying to get the water out of the boat, working and working, and things were just getting worse. And I know how it feels that you just sometimes need a moment of stability. Lord, I just need a moment. I need you to come in here and just, I need a moment with you. And I'll tell you what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says this, which hope we have as an anchor. I need that anchor, not just in the water, but of the soul. Sometimes it's going on up in here, and I just need the Lord to be my anchor for a minute. Make that wave stop. Let me just sit and have some stability in him. The Bible says both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. I'll tell you, Jesus is my anchor. He's the mooring. He's the thing that holds me steady even when the world around is raging and moving. But God is my stay. Second Samuel chapter 22 and verse 19 says, They prevented me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my stay. And I thought, Lord, okay, what does that mean? In my head, it's like, just stay the enemy. Stay, make things stop. Let it calm down for a minute. So I looked it up. That word stay in the Bible, in the Hebrew, means my support staff. When, when things are rocking, when you don't understand what's going on, Jesus is that stay, that support staff. You can lean on it. You can have some security. You know that no matter what's going on, he's still in the boat. The Savior's still there. He, he's with you, and you can have that stay. Hallelujah. I wanted to note, too, this little 
thought, the Bible says there are many other little ships in there with that ship. And I'll tell you, it's easy to look around at what other people are going through. It's real easy to say, well, how come they're not doing this? Or how come they're blessed so much, God, and I'm going through this? And it's real easy to notice the other little ships around. Amen? It's really easy to do that. <clears throat> but there are a few things that I want to make very clear. Matthew 5, verse 45 says this, that ye, Matthew 5, 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. doesn't matter what those other little ships are going through. Sometimes life happens but God's in the boat. Sometimes things just happen in life. That doesn't mean that you've sinned. That doesn't mean you've done wrong necessarily. It just means that life is happening, but God's in the boat. Luke 13, Jesus goes on to say it like this. Luke 13, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 1 says, there were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. That was a very horrible thing to them. Verse 2, And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then he says, And those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? Sounds like he's implying they were just at the wrong place at the wrong time. Life just happened. Is God in control? Yes. Did God know it was happening? Of course. But life just happens. And he says, I tell you, uh, let's see, verse 4, Or those 18 upon whom the tower of Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem. Verse 5, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Life just happens. Sometimes life just happens, but when it does, I don't have to worry because the ups and downs of the waves, I know Jesus is with me in that boat. Hallelujah. And if we take a look back at 2 Samuel chapter 22, and in the next just three verses, Samuel, 2 Samuel 22, just verses 1, 2, and 3, there is so much here about who Jesus is, and who our God is, and how to handle when we're stuck in the storm. Verse 1, And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song, in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies, and out of the hand of Saul. Now I just want to pause there for a second. I've got problems. I suppose you probably have problems. I've never had my father-in-law trying to kill me. And to top that off, my father-in-law isn't the king. Imagine to have not just your father-in-law trying to kill you. Maybe I'm blessed. Maybe some people have experienced that. But if the king was after you, what hope do you have? If the one in authority is after you, what hope do you have? And David was going through it. 
He not only was worried about his father-in-law, the king, he was fighting Philistines and hiding out here and trying this and doing that. He was really going through it. So when I consider what I'm going through, it might not be as bad as some other people have had it. Amen. Especially David here in the Bible. And this is what he says when he was out of it all, when he came through, when he said the Lord delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies. This is the song he sang, verse 2. And he said, the Lord, I'm just going to read through the verses and we're going to go back for a second. He said, the Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. Hallelujah. It says, let me read it this way because it's not coming up on the back. The Lord is my fortress and my deliverer. Verse 3. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. And you can go on that whole chapter is full of how God delivered him and how great God is. But if we go back to verse two, I just want to break it down just a little bit. And I got to researching what these words meant in the Hebrew using the Strong's Concordance. And here we go. Verse 2, it says, And he said, The Lord is my rock. In the Hebrew, that word means my crag or cliff. That's like a hiding place. So when you're going through the battle, when it feels like the world is against you, the Lord is my rock, my, my shelter my place of refuge. Amen. It doesn't move if it's a rock, if it's a cliff. You've seen pictures or video clips of the waves crashing into the sides of cliffs. Those cliffs aren't going anywhere. No matter how, rock, how dangerous those waves are, no matter how strong they are crashing into the cliffs, when you're hidden in the cliff, you don't have to worry about those waters. That cliff's not going anywhere. He said, the Lord is my rock, my cliff, my sure footing. Hallelujah. Then he goes on to say, the Lord is my fortress. And this one got me. The Lord is my fortress. I thought that surely means a big castle, something really strong, a, a big fort. In the Hebrew, it means a net. And I thought, that's exactly what the Lord is. You're in the water, struggling to stay afloat, going here, going there with the waves and the wind, and the Lord just throws out a net, secures you, pulls you in. I suppose if you're a fish, a net isn't a good thing. But if you're drowning, a net is a lifesaver. Amen? That net, he is my fortress, I don't know how they translated it from fortress to net. I don't know how the word net got changed into a fortress, but it might as well be when you're going up and down in the waves and suddenly something secures you down and you know you're going to be saved. Amen? The Lord is my fortress. I'm caught. I'm being reeled in. Hallelujah. It's a life preserver. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, then it says, my deliverer. This means in the Hebrew, to escape, to slip away. Oh, to bring into security, to bring to safety. He's my deliverer. Sometimes, Lord, I just need to slip away with you. 
I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I'm going through this, but can we just slip away and have a moment with my God? Can you strengthen me? Can you help me? Can you deliver me? My deliverer, the one to bring me to safety. Hallelujah. And all these things, we're talking about taking a break from a fight or a chance to catch your breath or a moment of peace, kind of like in the eye of the storm. And you can have all these things. You know how it is. We are human, so we've all been at this place where sometimes we want to, I don't know what's modern is escape to our phones. We want to just take a moment and things are stressful, things are busy, things are hectic. Let's just get our phone out and watch this video and then scroll up and watch another video and scroll up and watch another video. And before long, it's been 45 minutes of nothing. You've just been scrolling on videos or looking on Facebook at the next post, the next post, the next one. These things kind of help us try to get away from the stress and get away from the things we're facing and get away from what seems to be rocking our world. And yet you can sit down for hours and binge some show on Netflix and you know it could be worse. People do all kinds of things to get out of the pain, drugs and alcohol and you name it. But one thing I've learned is you'll never find the rest. You'll never find the strength you need. You'll never find the rejuvenation. You'll never find the refuge like you do when you escape into this deliverer. When you escape into Jesus, that's real rest. That's real recharging. After a Netflix binge, so to speak, you're going to still have your problems after scrolling on your phone forever, problems are waiting on you. But when you escape into the Lord, even if the problems are still there, he's changed you. You can have a go at it again. You've gotten an, a good recharging. You've got strength back again. And a whole lot of times when you're escaped in him, he's taking care of business while you're just resting in him. I don't know if you've experienced that, but there have been many times when the Lord's just taken me away and come to find out that whole time he's been fighting the battle. The war's still raging, but he just tucks you away, gives you a little respite, gives you some strength, and sends you back out to fight again. Amen? God is good. He is in the boat. Amen. Verse 3 then goes on to say, the God of my rock. He repeats the word rock. But when I looked at that verse in the, that word in the Hebrew, it's not the same kind of rock. The word for rock before, when it talked about a crag and a cliff, this word rock literally means a block of stone or a boulder. This, I imagine this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, you build your house on sand or on the rock a sure foundation. This rock is a boulder. I can stand on this rock and be sure that no matter what's going on around me, I have this assurance. I'm on the rock. He is my surety, and it goes on to say my protection. This rock is my protection. And I got to thinking about that too, what else was in the Bible about rocks? In Matthew chapter 21, verse 44, 
Sometimes we go through things just so the Lord can change us, mold us, shape us. It says, and whosoever shall fall on this stone, talking about him, shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. Lord, I want to fall on this rock. I don't want you to have to grind me to powder. I want to humble myself, come before your presence, and fall down on this rock. You can break me. You can use me. You can do what you want with me. I want to be broken in your presence so that you can use me for your glory. I don't want the alternative. One day, that rock is going to fall. And if you haven't been broken already, that rock is going to grind you to powder. I don't want to be in that judgment. I want to fall on this rock and let him break me so he can mold me and make me into what he wants me to be. No matter what's going on in my life, I want to be on that rock. Amen. And it goes on in verse 3 of 2 Samuel. It says, In him will I trust. He is my shield. And this means exactly what it says. In the Hebrew, this word is a shield. He is my shield. That's my defense. That means when the battle's raging, arrows are coming, weapons are flinging around, I've got, I've got a shield of protection. I can hide behind. I can be okay behind. I know I'm going to be safe behind this shield. No matter what's going on in life, God is my shield. Hallelujah. Then it says, he's my shield and the horn of my salvation. And this in the Hebrew really has two meanings. The horn of my salvation could be, and this seems so appropriate, a vessel, a container, if you will, that brings deliverance like a ship right out of the water. He is my, the horn of my salvation, the ship that's going to keep me afloat right in whatever this is I'm going through. Amen? Or it could mean a musical instrument that sounds of my salvation. And I like that idea too, that it's shouting a trumpet blast, that salvation is on the, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about what's going on around you. I've got this under control. We sing the song, Shout of Victory. I'm going to shout for the victory. That's what this could mean, the horn of my salvation, a vessel to carry me through and save me, or the blast that says we are going to have victory. Hallelujah. This thing isn't taking me down because he is the horn of my salvation. Then it goes on to say my high tower, a high place. This is a refuge, a retreat, a place of calm, and a place of peace and protection. David says all of this in two verses. He says, he is my high tower. I'm above it. Whatever's going on, I'm above it. I'm in his protection, and it can be a place of calm. Then he says, my refuge. Again, this means a place of escape, a place to get out of a difficult situation. And finally, he says, my savior. To be saved in battle, to be victorious. And in case if you were wondering, it even says to save you from moral troubles, to bring 
victory. That is my Savior. I know situations in our lives are going on. I know things are raging, and I said in the beginning, it's been a month, it's been two weeks, it's been some time, and then I said, it's probably been so long for you as well, and I saw most of you just agreeing. I know that's true because we're in this world, and we're living in it. We're not a part of it, but we're here. And so the war, the waters are going, the wind is blowing, but I can't forget that Jesus is in the boat. And then I just want to go back a little bit and touch on that little ship's idea, because though there are other ships in the water, Jesus is in my ship. And when we think about it another way, I'm not the only one out on the water. I've got a church family out here. We're all out on the water and we all got a praying church family who can reach God and bless us and help us to get closer to him. And we can think like David with these two verses in which he covers all the ways that God, though he was going through the most difficult time in his life, he could trust that God was the, the way out, his escape, his just slip away, his shout of victory, his salvation, all of these things that we might be going through in our lives doesn't matter because he's in the boat with us. The Savior is with us. He's going to bring us through. Amen.